everyone. Welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on a bunch of writers sitting around drinking and talking about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Today's hosts are Chaz and Karen Brenchley and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 85, Juliet Wade Returns. Welcome back, Juliet. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I was excited to get a chance to chat with you again because one notices from Penguin's website, you have the sequel to that first novel we talked about coming up. Yes, I do. I do indeed. It's called Transgressions of Power and it is coming out on February 23rd. Ooh, mark your calendars, Musketeers. <laughs> and, the, and the book that it's a sequel to is Mazes of Power? Yes, that's correct. Mazes of Power came out uh, February of last year. And um, it's available now all over the place. It's actually coming out in paperback on uh, January the 26th. Cool. When we last were here, you gave us a really great in-depth thing of talking about world building and your methods and all of that. I want to come back to the whole plot. Tell us about, give us a brief synopsis of Mazes of Power, of where you did with all that world building and how you moved it in. What's Transgressions of Power going to be like? Okay, so uh, Mazes of Power is a story about two brothers who really don't get along, um, both of whom get swept up into a struggle for power in an underground city. Uh, it's a little bit more complicated than the very brief plot synopsis would, uh, <laughs> would suggest. The underground city has a complex caste society that um, the two brothers, being nobles, do not know much about. Uh, because they're not exposed to it. And so um, while there is a struggle going on for who is going to lead the nation, there is also an epidemic going on, uh, which is especially dangerous to the nobles because they are inbred. And there is also a process of discovery going on where all of the events tangle them up in other other people and people from other levels of society. Transgressions of Power takes place actually 13 years later. And basically we, we dip back into the timeline in a spot where uh, things are getting a little complicated again. Uh, more power struggles are happening. There are um, the family that the main character in the second book is uh, Della, and she is actually married to uh, one of the two brothers. And that's a bit of a spoiler for book one. Sorry, I apologize. But, you know, it's been a year and book two is coming out. So there you go. Uh, as a result, she's having to navigate these very complex political waters uh, between her husband and her husband's brother. And at the same time, she and her husband are trying to create a sort of covert revolution as, as they're trying to subvert the caste rules of their society. And everybody's got plans for where they want Varen to go. And the, the two plans start to crash together in transgressions of power. So I just want to take a moment and note the carefulness with which you even chose a title, because I don't know about anybody else, but titles can be super hard for me. Mm -hmm. So when you say mazes, you, you basically gave us one, it's an underground city. That combines a certain bit of a contained complication. And then you have a maze with, so I'm kind of seeing, tell us all of the different ways that you, that they're mazes that you use. Oh, in sure. Power. In mazes of power, there are three different mazes. Um, 
One is a one is a literal uh, place uh, called the maze, which is a set of servants' hallways that goes behind the walls in the residence of the Eminence of Varen. Uh, one of the main characters in Mazes of Power is actually a member of the servant cast by the name of Aloran, and he's a very major player in the events of the book. Um, and his view, his viewpoint is really important, and, and he brings us what the nobles look like from the outside. Uh, which I think is a really important piece because the series is much more than just a story about some nobles and, and, and their political problems. So there's the maze behind the walls of the eminence's residence. And then there is something called the air selection, which is the political process that's going on during the course of mazes of power, which is um, how they choose uh, the next heir to the throne of Varan. And it's, uh, it's a tanistry elective system. So if you want to go and Google that, <laughs> they have a very small group of people who elect the next heir. It's not, uh, it's not hereditary. So, um, so uh, but one of the characters describes the heir selection as a maze that involves candidates from all of the 12 noble families trying to make their way into the center. Oh, and then so transgressions is where people start coloring outside the lines. <laughs> Well, perhaps. So the third maze in Mazes of Power is the society where um, people face choices and and feel like they are compelled to make choices in a particular way. Um, there is a certain degree of freedom in the choices of the, that they make, but the society kind of surrounds them and limits them so that the ways that they can travel are actually constrained. Um, and that is sort of the invisible maze that um, that is the third maze in Mazes of Power. So Transgressions is about trying to change the maze. <laughs> yeah. What happens when you try to change um, a very entrenched social system that I, dictates what you can and cannot do when you have certain types of power? Um, well, and for, for all of us who ever watched Labyrinth, and wondered why that silly little girl didn't just climb on top of one of those walls and then, you know, look. <laughs> right. <laughs> I tell you, with with a two by two by six plank of about ten feet long, that girl could have been that through solved that in no time. Is <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, but so, one of the things about mazes is that they they constrain you to follow a set of rules. But it doesn't yeah. always feel like everybody is following the same rules. It feels like sometimes some people have that. Two by four. Sometimes they do. Um, but it, one of the things about cultural systems is that they have, they have a lot of constant um, internal reinforcement. And so um, unlike an actual maze like the one in Labyrinth, these are not walls made of stone. They're really walls made out of people. Um, and those people are preserving those walls. They are acting in, in accordance with the rules. They're given particular powers to, to you know, uh, defend the, the rules. And, um, and so breaking rules is not always very easy. That makes sense. So you, you mentioned, you hinted the first one was kind of a long time in the making because you really did world building and you hadn't, you know, it, it takes courage to write that first novel. How long did it take you to write the second novel? Well, it's an interesting it's an interesting question. So, the first one was a lifetime's 
uh, a lifetime's work, basically. Uh, but once I had the world established in my mind over the course of all of those years, writing inside of it, it was a lot easier. Um, I think it still took me a couple of years to, to write uh, Transgressions of Power, though most of it got written, you know, most of the words got written down uh, in the course of a single year. Um, yeah. So basically, uh, you have the world, which is this entire huge, enormous, complex background. Um, and when I say it's huge, enormous, and complex, one of the hardest things about writing it is making sure that all of that huge, enormous complexity doesn't actually intrude on the experience of the reader. Right. <laughs> um, and then once you have that and you have kind of the, the path that's been forged for you by a book one, and you kind of have to say, okay, what happens next? What are the next really fascinating events? It took me a long time. I think, I think the most time was actually invested in trying to figure out where and how the second story happened um, and, and who the major players were in it. So choosing the plot um, and the characters. Uh, I'm, I'm a plotter. I plan everything in advance. And um, so that part took a lot of time, but didn't really involve writing down a lot of words. And, um, and then most of the, I had about eight chapters, I think, at the point where I sold Mazes of Power. And so at that point, um, I was then juggling the, the final process on Mazes of Power and the um, at the same time, writing transgressions of power. Um, Did the characters surprise you at all when you were writing the second one? Characters always surprise me. They do. Um, I have I have a planning brain, and then I have a jump in brain. And I find the more planning I do in advance, the the more thoroughly I can actually immerse when I immerse. Um, if the characters, if I don't have all of the big social building blocks in mind, then the characters come across feeling really thin and I can't get into them as well. Um, but they surprise me all the time. And, and they'll say, no, no, no. <laughs> what did you expect? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to take this path, not the one that you thought I was going to take. And, and, you know, outlines just basically rewrite themselves in the same way that text rewrites itself. So it all works out in the end. So does that mean that you already have plans for the sequel to this one? Are you already working on it? Yes, I'm working on the sequel to Transgressions of Power. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So how far out do you have things planned then? Book five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even better, I actually have sold them all to DAW. So, so this is a thing that will happen. Yay. Excellent. That's really good. Yeah, I'm ex super excited about it. Wait, DAW or Penguin, or are they the same? And I'm just trying to DAW is, um, a, is a company that is um, owned by, I think they're owned by Penguin, but um, they, they're they sort of a semi-autonomous unit within Penguin. Cool. Yeah. I am I'm not very familiar about the intricacies of those, so it's always, <laughs> wait, you're on Penguin. Oh, confusing. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. so, so Julia... Yes. Um, your first book came out just before the pandemic struck. Yes. And your second is coming out, and we're still all again in lockdown, effectively. Yes. Um, how are you approaching that change um, as regards launching the book? Um, you know, what, what plans do you have? What plans can you have 
to launch. Well, launch yeah, launch so launch. here, <laughs> so uh, so I got really lucky because um, I had a big party and it was in person <laughs> uh, when when Mazes of Power came out, and uh, at the time I had absolutely no idea how lucky I was, um, <laughs> no clue at all, and so with Transgressions of Power coming out. Um, I'm going to be trying to arrange a virtual launch party. Okay, nice. Uh, and in, in concert with a friend of mine, Alex White, uh, because we both have books coming out on the same day. They're very different books, but, but uh, you know, we thought it would be fun to kind yeah. of team up and, and, and work something out. Uh, we're still working on the logistics of it, however. Uh, you know, which, which platform to use, how to organize it, um, what to do, you know. Um, but I know that we want to talk to each other about our books and, and, you know, see if we can have a good time, uh, ver- uh in the virtual space. So, um, the, I ha- I have been part of extremely large, I have not been running, but I have been a participant in extremely large, uh, group, uh, zoom settings, and that seems to work fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives a chance for people to ask questions and so on, but, my question is, the two of you, are you going to have any sort of background party celebration? Are you going to have, you know, posters? It's going to be like, you know, all dressed up and exciting um, for the participants to, to see you um, uh, <laughs> for, your, for your party? Well, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, we're, still, we're still kind of thinking about how to, how to make it exciting. I think virtual backgrounds are not going to be the answer, at least for me. Um, I probably, I will probably decorate a small space. (laughs) I was going to say there's folks that actually can't do that because of their version of uh, Zoom. Mm -hmm. Also the the power of their computer. (laughs) I meant real. I meant, you know, in your house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would like to decorate a little bit in my house so that the place that my computer is observing at the time will be fun. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I find the virtual backgrounds tend to kind of take bites out of people occasionally. So I'm really not in the mood for that. Yeah. You know, I almost feel like we have an opportunity here inspired by greats like Prince and David Bowie and Elton John to, I think it's feathers and big sunglasses could, could really be here. parties. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, Um, I don't think feathers and big sunglasses are going to be part of this because just because Barn is not very feathers and big sunglasses. They have, there are feathers. In fact, there are feathers in transgressions of power. The people of Salimna wear them in their hats. Oh, but uh, (laughs) I I think we should declare that in 2021, anybody who has a book release party has to wear a tiara. No exceptions. Oh, okay. All right. Or, or well, I know, I, I know that I, I, I'm pretty sure Alex and I would both be down with that. I don't know. I don't want to speak for them. <laughs> well, you can also you can also wear a hat with feathers. You know, you can, it's true. I I should probably try to make myself a solemni hat. Yeah, that'd I be think, cool. I think there are certain tiaras that would look fine on the brim of a fedora. So you know, I'm not leaving you boys out here. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. So I did want to say that one of the things that happens in transgressions of power is that we get to, we get to see more. Uh, Mazes of power is a very confined space. Um, most of it is, well, it all takes place within the city of Pelismara, And a lot of the action is actually uh, 
you know, the, the tensions within this dysfunctional family, which means a lot of things happen just within this home that they live in. Um, transgressions of power takes us to uh, other cities. Yay. We get cool. to see two other cities, uh, Darrenville and Salimna. And that means I got to do dialect work, which was super fun <laughs> um, yeah. because the people of Darrenville and the people of Salimna speak differently from the people <laughs> of Felismara. I, I hear Taz cackling. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted by this because I know you, I mean, you have your, your, your background in linguistics. That's going to be fascinating. Um, are, are both these other cities also underground? Yes, all the cities of Varan are underground. Do you wonder, I mean, there's, there's something that occurred to me because of this pandemic and shelter in place from 2021. There are things that we science fiction writers didn't, or in fantasy even, didn't think about. You have a small closed contained world. You're stuck with the same people all the time. And that is not really a psychological angle that I think we had, we had personal experience with until this last year. Mm. Yeah, so, I'm finding that a lot of my series so far is distressingly apropos. <laughs> <laughs> We're just wondering about that, thinking of underground city, and it was suddenly like, you know, that could be a city on Mars, that could be a crater skull, it could be anything where you just can't get away from people. Mm-hmm. It's true, yeah, and um, and not being able to get away is definitely one of the major themes of, of Mazes of Power, um, and trying to get away is is one of the major themes of transgressions of power. So absolutely. Well, if everything is underground, I mean, is it, is it, so is it built? Do they have, or is it, is it natural space underground or do they actually have to build more space or do they do, they do both? Because it, I, I didn't get a sense that they could just, you know, kind of roam freely around the inside of the planet. And that would be <laughs> kind of. No, it, it's true. So um, actually it depends on the city. So the city of Pelismara is built in a very enormous uh, natural cave system. Okay. Um, that is extremely deep. It is a, it is a hollowed out limestone cave system um, that long ago was uh, engineered and expanded and, and, and sort of tamed uh, by, by the people who live there. And so it's very much like a city inside of a stack of plates. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, it has standalone buildings that are two, sometimes three stories high, depending on the height of the ceiling. Um, I don't imagine that those stories are quite as tall as we would expect, um, you know, but, but yeah, uh, the Eminence's residence is quite grand and is built in this very, very deep place that has a very high ceiling so it's you know three stories high and and all that nice stuff um city of darrenville by contrast is actually entirely dug out um there are no outsides in darrenville um and everybody it's everything is either a tunnel or uh, or a room uh known as a pocket um and some pockets are bigger than others but but yeah, there is no, you can't go parallel. outside. <laughs> that's a perfect parallel. <laughs> Sorry? That's a perfect parallel. We all have our little pockets here of like, ah, yes, our pods, as we call them. Yes, so. in fact, in fact. <laughs> um, and then Salimna, Salimna is also a natural cave system, but it's very different. So, so I actually have um, 
Palos Mara was not based on any particular cave system, though I took inspiration from um, the Gouffre de Padirac in France and also um, numerous limestone cave systems that I've visited um, in the United States. Um, but uh, Darrenville is actually modeled on the Turkish city of Derinkuyu, which um, at one time housed 20,000 people uh, in Tur and um, it's underground and entirely excavated and really, really cool. So go look it up. <laughs> um, Salinna is based on the, um, the Skokian caves in uh, Slovenia which my parents went to visit and effectively the, the city is um, it's two cliff sides that uh, uh, full basically full of stacked buildings that are running along the sides of an underground uh, fast moving river um, that winds its way down. So in fact, Salimna is a very long city um, and quite difficult to, to move through if you don't, um, have public transport. So in fact, Salim has public transport in a way that Pelasmara, which is all sort of vertically stacked, uh, does not. So. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So as a plotter, let me ask a question for our future. How mm -hmm. long is this arc? How many books is it going to take to get the full story out for you? So it's going to take five books. Sweet. All of which I have planned. <laughs> Uh, actually, the last three books I have already written badly once before, um, but I am completely tossing out every every piece of text that I have and starting them again because I'm a better writer now. So we have had some people say that writing gets both easier and harder as you do more of it. Harder because you're more critical about yourself, but easier because you have the right habits, you have the right rhythm. I Yeah, I get more ambitious the the more skills I get. So, I mean, I, I, <laughs> so I, I designed all of these dialects for the people of, of, okay. Yeah. This is a good way of, of talking about it. So in, in, I knew that everybody in, in the different towns spoke slightly different dialects. Okay. And the dialects are mostly metrical dialects. So, um, so for those of you who have studied poetry, um, you know, the Pelasmara dialect is more or less what we would expect, a sort of iambic-based dialect. The, the safe harbor dialect, which appears in Mesa of Power, is a little bit of a trochaic dialect, where it has a little bit of a sort of a bouncy um, rhythm. Uh, and then Darrenville, because they are a small town in the mountains, I, I tweaked a few things, and they used the, this very specific verb this very specific verb construction, which is I'm a going to do something, right? And so, um, so the Darrenville accent is actually considered very cute by people outside of Darrenville. And, um, and it's not bouncy in the same way as the safe Harbor dialect, but it's got this, this I'm a going to, uh, what are you doing now? Kind of, kind of um, construction in it. So kind of um, Southern. Really? It, it has aspects of, of, of Southern to it. Um, I'm trying to make it not explicitly Southern because they don't live in the South. They live in the mountains. Uh, I have to be very careful with the features that I pick for them to use so that it doesn't sound explicitly Southern. So um, tell us about what a great movie these would make. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then Selimna does this thing where everybody says so, and they speak more slowly. So they'll say so. 
It, well, yeah, uh, we're going to be we're going to be visiting you soon. So that kind of a feel to it. Um, I don't know, man. I would love to see this made into a TV series more yeah. than a movie, even because there's just I, I think it would benefit from the longer exposition time. Yeah, depth. Yep, streaming on Netflix. I think that's a <laughs> yeah. life goals. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Have you ever have you ever considered what it would take to turn one of these into a screenplay? I just took Cat Rambo's uh, screenwriting one hundred and one class, and it sort of was, for me was like this is like writing a sonnet if all you've ever written is novels. And I have never I have never tried writing a screenplay. Um, I would love to have the opportunity. Uh, it would be, you know, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about the dialogue, but at the same time, thinking about the dialogue for the purposes of the book and thinking about the dialogue for the purposes of people actually saying it, two different tasks. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it would be amazing to try to, to, to learn those skills and, and, and organize how to do that. So this is the shout out to anybody listening from Netflix or Amazon. <laughs> Juliet stories are available here. Pick up the first one, Mazes of Power, Transgressions of Power. Let's get these on TV. Let's yeah, wide audience. Absolutely. <laughs> so Jeannie, since you actually know how to write um, scripts, you could do a sample script for the first one. <laughs> I, by that, I've learned from... I, when I watched Dexter, Darkly Dream, I mean, Dexter on TV, and then read the first book, Darkly Dreaming Dexter, I realized that it's one chapter an episode, really. Mm. So that was an interesting perspective to stop and sit back and think about. So, that is interesting. I mean, I try to have it, like full arcs within every chapter. You almost do, because everything you have to learn, if you think of it in a, ch it's like any other chapter, you have to, the character must learn something important about the big picture, and mm -hmm. yet the character needs to do something. And the only difference about a TV episode is they also need to resolve something in every episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Makes sense. It would almost kind of, it's a different construction, but an interesting puzzle. I like puzzles. Puzzles are good. Yeah. <laughs> Everything I write is a puzzle. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent. And, and Juliet, are you still doing your podcast? I am. I am. I have managed to keep going. <laughs> uh, Dive into world building is still going on. We still meet on Tuesdays at four and we talk uh, about all kinds of uh, wacky esoteric world building uh, topics and some of them less esoteric. But um, last week I was speaking with um, Marie Brennan and Alice Helms who are, uh, who have uh, a book coming out uh, in their joint identity as M.A. Carrick. Um, the Mask of Mirrors. And so we were talking about that book uh, this past week. Cool. Oh, that sounds excellent. Mm -hmm. It was really a fun conversation. It's on my YouTube channel um, for people who want to look for it. So I want to I challenge with one fun thing. Last week, we talked with Richard Kadri, who mentioned the, the if you have technological napkin rings, like how you could, with a single object and a single thing, flash some people and set them to, this is something different. Give us the single thing that would flash us to Varen. Oh, my goodness. If you were going to walk um, into a room, walk onto a TV screen, if you had one thing that was going to make people realize that this is an alien culture, maybe on another planet, how would you do that in one the first scene, the very first moment? Oh, gosh. Well, see, the way I do it in – so this is not a TV show yet. <laughs> this is a book. Um, and so the way that I do that is with – 
the voice of the character's thinking mm. uh, rather than with an object in, in the scene. Varan people have very different expectations and, um, and very different kinds of, of ideas about what's normal. Um, so, so the first sentence of Mazes of Power is, Tagret believed in music the same way that he believed in the sky. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, here on Earth, we don't have to believe in the sky. Yeah. Uh, so that would, be, that would be the initial hint. Um, the first sentence of Transgressions of Power is, birthdays just weren't the same when everyone expected you to live. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh, I like, like that, that a lot. <laughs> oh, that's going to that's going to compete with my favorite first line from Madeline Robbins. The even dead my father took up all the air in the room. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> right? I like them both now. <laughs> I'm going to have a wrestling match in my head tonight. <laughs> yeah. So 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 to answer your question basically that's that's what it is. It's the it's the thought processes rather than the, the objects. I like it. But you could even turn that into a line of dialogue as they turn to say something to their servant or friend. Of Absolutely. Right. Have some music playing. I believe in music the way I believe in the sky. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And this is, what day is it coming out? Do we have a pre-order link that we can share? Uh, so I can give you a pre-order link for sure. Um, it's coming out February the 23rd. That's soon, people. Very soon. It's just after Super Bowl. I have have many blog posts to write and much website uh, changing to do. Yeah. We will put links to your podcast and your pre-order and the other interesting things we mention on the website, which is www.ridersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. Anybody wants to ask a question about Juliet, please feel free and she will answer it, I hope. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us today. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup spider is Webb, David Welsh. Our podcast sponsor is Forever Jackal Designs, letting you all buy cool WDC swag to wear and impress your friends. And here's a shout out to the Bean Scene in Sunnyvale for all of their delicious coffee. And hey, thanks for listening. 